Good evening. Welcome back from Reading and Research Week. I, uh, I want to know how many people a actually read and researched. Really? Well, I'm, I'm impressed. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Patsy Crane has the power. She's really the, the true center of the, con of, of the campus. She is. Uh, we are attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And Dr. Attic is going to help us do that through God's word this evening. So, let's engage. I will be asking you to participate at various points. You see on your program that there are a couple places where we'll be singing some and reading some scripture together. And I want you to be alert to that. I will remind you when we get there. But uh, this, is a, uh, this is a service devoted specifically to reading and listening to the Word of God. So let's enjoy the Word. I'm going to start with a passage of Scripture that, if you've read the backside of our little program, you see that my father gave me a silver dollar for memorizing this passage. And that was nearly a half a century ago. So I'm going to see if I can say it. But I'm not doing this just to see if I can recall my memory. I'm doing it to call us to worship. It is a summons to praise. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. Praise the Lord. Psalm 24 or 27 is one of our favorite psalms, I'm sure. You'll recognize it when you hear it. In this psalm, we identify with the confidence that David expresses in God. We identify with the communion with God, the compassion of God, and the comfort from God. David says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. 
Then my head will be exalted above my enemies round me. At his tabernacle will I sacrifice the shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. I've asked Rick uh, Grimes to come and help me with this next reading. Uh, this is the parable commonly called the parable of the sower or the sower and the soils, sometimes it's called, and it's found in all three synoptic gospels. Jesus in this parable is the sower. The seed is the word of the kingdom and the soils are the hearts of various kinds of listeners. There are two parts to any communication, what is said and what is heard. God speaks and we have the awesome responsibility to listen. Lloyd Ogilvy calls this parable, the hearing heart. That day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he scattered the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. And when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. The one who receives the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, 
he quickly falls away. Some seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of his life and deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. May all of us understand the message and appropriate it in our lives. Thanks, Rick. The next compilation of Old Testament verses speaks for itself. And I guess I would just say, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. That's what these passages are about. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. How awesome is the Lord most high, the great king over all the earth. For who in the skies above can compare with the Lord? He is more awesome than all who surround him. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket? Or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who has understood the mind of the Lord or instructed him as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him and who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. To whom then will you compare God? What image will you compare him to? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor 
for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Blessed be your glorious name, and may it be exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all their starry hosts, the earth and all that is in it, the seas and all that is in them. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. I want us to move to uh, Philippians and catch some words of Paul. In this reading, I want to interject some singing, so you need to get ready to do that. And then there are also some lines. All this will be on the screen for you, so you won't have to worry. Uh, but there will be some lines of Scripture that I want you to read together. So I'll help you do that. But when you see the word all, that means all. Okay? Paul is reminding us here, reminding the Philippians and us, that our supreme desire should be to know Christ. So I've entitled this, Knowing Christ. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. All I want held dear, build my life upon all this world reveres and wars to all. All I once thought gain I have counted loss, spent and worthless now compared Knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all, you're the best, you're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you. What was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness 
of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Let's try that together. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Now my heart desires to I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. read together. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow 
to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Amen. One of my favorite passages in the book of Acts is Paul's defense before Agrippa. He never gets tired of telling his story. And at this point, it's very important that he tell his story. And I'm reading tonight from the New American Standard Bible because there is one verse that is very important to me, and that is how Agrippa responds. This is Paul's defense before Agrippa. Agrippa said to Paul, you are permitted to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and proceeded to make his defense. In regard to all the things of which I am accused by the Jews, I consider myself fortunate, King Agrippa, that I am about to make my defense before you today, especially because you are an expert in all customs and questions among the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. So then, all Jews know my manner of life from my youth up, which from the, which from the beginning was spent among mine own nation and at Jerusalem since they have known about me for a long time, if they're willing to testify, that I lived as a Pharisee according to the strictest sect of our religion. And now I am standing trial for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers, the promise to which our 12 tribes hope to attain as they earnestly serve God night and day. And for this hope, O King, I am being accused by Jews. Why is it considered incredible among you people if God does raise the dead? So then I thought to myself that I had to do many things hostile to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And this is just what I did in Jerusalem. Not only did I lock up many of the saints in prisons, having received authority from the chief priests, but also, when they were being put to death, I cast my vote against them. And as I punished them often in all the synagogues, I tried to force them to blaspheme. And being furiously enraged at them, I kept pursuing them even to foreign cities. While so engaged, as I was journeying to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining all around me and those who were journeying with me. 
And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up, stand on your feet. For this purpose I have appeared to you, to appoint you a minister and a witness, not only of the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you, rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. So, King Agrippa, I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision, but kept declaring both to those of Damascus first and also at Jerusalem and then throughout all the region of Judea and even to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds appropriate to repentance. For this reason, some Jews seized me in the temple and tried to put me to death. So, having obtained help from God, I stand to this day, testifying both to small and great, stating nothing but what the prophets and Moses said was going to take place, that the Christ was to suffer, and that by reason of his resurrection from the dead, he would be the first to proclaim light both to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. While Paul was saying this in his defense, Festus said in a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you mad. But Paul said, I am not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I utter words of sober truth. For the king knows about these matters, and I speak to him also with confidence, since I am persuaded that none of these things escape his notice, for this has not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Agrippa replied to Paul, In a short time, you will persuade me to become a Christian. And Paul said, I would wish to God that whether in a short or long time, not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am except these chains. Our last reading tonight comes from a beautiful passage in Revelation. And uh, I need your help on this one as well. I think you'll want to. Uh, John the Revelator takes us into the throne room of heaven. And I'd like for us to let our imaginations uh, work on that a little bit in the description. I think it won't be too hard to do. 
but there are places where I need many voices. So uh, when you see it come on the screen, I need your help. And uh, I need, I, I think I'm just going to have the whole, because I can't tell if I've got 24 elders over here or here. So I think what I'm going to do is just make all of you the, the four living creatures and the 24 elders. So when you see that, just speak, all right? Then I need you to speak when you hear, when you see many angels. Now, we're talking tens of thousands, but we'll be, we'll be many angels tonight, okay? And then the last place I need you to speak is where it says all creation, okay? All right. John is continuing his revelation from the fourth chapter. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one of them had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain and with your blood you purchase men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. We thank you, Father, for your word, the inspiration that comes to us as we read it, the experience we have of worship, as we read your word. Go with us now, and may the spirit of praise be on our lips. 
And may we be ambassadors for you and for your word. In your name we pray. Amen.